that gospel reads like a very peculiar X-rated story. A nameless man has been exiled to the margins of human existence. He's naked, filthy, and stinking. He can't control his speech, and he's so violent that people can't come near him. All attempts to restrain him have failed. In short, he embodied the gamut of human suffering. As Jesus stepped ashore, the man ran to meet him, fell down before him, and pleaded for mercy. An awakening and heartbreaking moment in the story for me is when Jesus asked him his name, and he replied, Legion, referring to the vast number of demons that had entered him. It isn't Isaac or Elijah or Frank or John, just Legion. He had no name, no identity left, except for what he was captive to. He was completely defined by what was wrong with him, by what had kept him from experiencing an abundant life. Personally, in the last six or seven years or so, I've learned much about Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. And one of the saddest possibilities of it for me is that the victims cannot remember their own stories. And so consequently, they don't know who they are. They have no known identity anymore. And today, we usually don't talk about demonic possession or unclean spirits, but we know from experience the power of evil, individually and globally. Regarding our own identity, I think it's easy sometimes to think of ourselves negatively in terms of our own deficiencies and disappointments or failures, our human frailties that play havoc with our lives, what we might consider our own demons, self-centeredness, prejudice, addictions, a sense of entitlement, all those masks we wear. I even discovered the possibility of another demon in my own life last Sunday morning during Martha Fishburne's wonderful sermon. My name tag read, Hello, I am a freak. Ultimately, the demons in this story were destroyed. And the community found the man sitting at the feet of Jesus, this time clothed in his right mind. The one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Jesus gave him back his life. So what's the moral of this seemingly weird story? It certainly shows the depth of human suffering to which God's healing can reach. Healing stories abound in the Gospels. And here is yet another attempt to describe a strange experience and apply it to our lives 2,000 years later. Strange as it may sound, I believe this is a story about love. The indescribable love and power of God. A divine love that is universal, unachievable, and can't be explained, but only experienced. 
It's called grace, a word we sometimes bandy about without perhaps really understanding it. One of my favorite authors, as you know, Frederick Beekner, explains it most clearly for me. I'd like to share it with you. <clears throat> he writes, quote, Grace is something you can never get, but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. Good sleep is grace, and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Have you ever tried to love somebody? A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved or healed by grace. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. The grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you that I have created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can only be yours if you will reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. End quote. The man possessed by the demons reached out to Jesus and asked for mercy, and he was healed. No one is beyond hope, and nothing is impossible with God. God's love has no boundaries. As Paul reminds us, we are all children of God through faith. There's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, but all one in Christ. Jesus detoured on his voyage to heal one man, regardless of his ethnicity, to rid him of, to rid him of his demons and transform him into being human again. He gave him back his identity, and Jesus is still crossing boundaries to do just that. He's still coming into the strange world of our complicated lives to cast out our individual and global demons. He says to us again and again that we are more than the sum total of our past shortcomings and disappointments. We are God's children, and Jesus shows us just how much God loves us. Jesus gives us our identity at baptism. When we are washed with water, marked with the cross of Christ, and sealed with the Holy Spirit forever. You see, our baptism, baptismal identity 
stands over and against all those other false identities assumed by us and our culture. It's interesting, I think, that despite the fact that the man was healed, for the Gerasenes, it was too much to risk. And so they asked Jesus to leave. It may have been the fear of the new, the clinging to old patterns of living, even when it's clear that those old patterns are not life-giving. This can be pretty scary. And we too may inadvertently ask Jesus to leave by mistakenly trying to domesticate him, taming him and turning him into somebody who's always kind and gentle, one who never gets too upset and who's not a threat to anyone. You see, Jesus lives in the parts of us that make us uncomfortable. He challenges us out of our lethargy and the comfort of things the way they are. This wasn't the first time that Jesus had been asked to leave. After his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, the town folk were so angry with him that they tried to throw him off a cliff. He cursed a fig tree. He threw the money changers out of the temple and associated with unsavory members of society. He told those who wished to follow him to leave their homes, their families and possessions and livelihoods behind them in exchange for a cross. Even members of his own family thought he might be out of his mind. Jesus was not safe to have around. And with many people who have experienced the healing power of God in Christ, the news of the man's experience was irrepressible. He wants to become a follower. But in the wisdom of grace, Jesus tells him, no, stay where you are and make a difference where you are. You have a part in healing. So no wonder we're confused. Jesus has always said, come, follow me. And now he's saying, no, stay where you are. And learn what it means to follow from this somewhat bizarre story of a crazy man and 2,000 pigs. Discover and treasure your own identity. Come out from your comfort zones. Return to your community and tell your story of who you really are. Let them see firsthand what redemption is. Let them see the hand of God in hope and compassion and love and how that love of God is manifested in their own lives. Maybe it takes a strange and shocking story to remind us of the truth. Perhaps the symbols in this story can be translated to help show us the truth of being lost and being found of saying yes to Christ, the truth of letting go and of healing, the trust of taking our own healing into a broken world, mindful that we may be the only exposure to the good news that some people ever have. This story, in a context broader than the healing of a demoniac, 
reveals to us our continual need to be opened to Christ. Fear can close us up socially and emotionally and psychologically and spiritually as we become distracted and burdened with what we experience as our demons and causing an unending need to be opened to healing and wholeness. You see, my friends, God's power manifests itself most dramatically when we surrender ours. We have our identity. We've been given an unfathomable gift. And as usual, we have a choice. We can reject it, ignore it, or choose to throw Jesus off the cliff. Or we can reach out and take it. And then, in the spirit of healing, follow, allowing God's grace, however and whenever God chooses to give it to us, perhaps in the most powerful way it can happen, in the quiet healing of our own brokenness. Open up. Let God be God. And let God love us like we have never been loved before. Amen.